Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Art of Living Author interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp and by WordCollect, the great game from Super Lucky. Please support our sponsors, and you can find out special offers in our show notes today. Thank you so much for listening. We have got a great guest today with 79-year-old author Rick Blyweiss, who is a musician, a keyboard player, a country music songwriter, and who, after reading his new book, Murder in Haxford, I've been looking forward to speaking with him for a while. I'll introduce him in just a moment, but quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 695th episode when I spoke to author Susan Shapiro-Barish about her Valentine's Day book, a passion for more, affairs that make us or break us. Two weeks ago, I spoke with author Dr. Danielle Claude about her new book, Koalas, A Natural History and an Uncertain Future. Wonderful subjects. For our Not Old Better Show audience, if you missed those shows along with any others, you can go back, check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. Oh my gosh, where to begin when it comes to Rick Blywise. No introduction will suffice, but I'll try. Rick Blywise is the perfect example of the saying, you're never too old to follow your dreams. Rick has an extensive background with careers in music as a rock performer, Grammy-nominated producer of over 50 records, and record company senior executive. And oh, by the way, did I mention that he's an author? Rick Blyweiss has written a new book, the second in his Pinyon Scorpion detective series entitled Murder in Haxford. Murder in Haxford is a cozy detective mystery that takes place in 1910. Chief Inspector Pinyon Scorpion and his group of townsfolk who help him solve local crimes band together when a balloonist lands with an arrow through his chest at the Haxford Spring Fair. This book, Murder in Haxford, uh, it's the series, Pinion Scorpion. Um, Murder in Haxford takes place in August of 1910 in a small countryside town in England. And um, Pinion Scorpion, who is the police chief of the town, only there for two months, uh, he and the town barber, uh, Calvin Brown, who was friends with Pinion in a former town that they were in. And then a local young newspaper reporter, Billy Arthurson, who uh, chronicles Scorpion's exploits, and the bookshop owner uh, of the local bookstore, Thelma Smith, who, um, in addition to being very bright and very beautiful, also she and Scorpion are having a relationship. Uh, They are at the town fair, where they are sitting, having a picnic, watching uh, what I will call hot air balloons, but in that era they were gas balloons. So they're watching these balloons overhead, and this is uh, where this reading takes off from. Billy turned to Calvin. I fancy the green one, although the purple balloon with stripes is attractive too. Calvin shook his head. Now, to me, the blue and white one is most appealing, although he was interrupted by a piercing shriek from a woman standing close by. They all turned to look, and their gazes followed the woman's arm skyward, her finger pointing at a red balloon that was descending at an alarming rate. As the balloon dropped, people on the lawn began screaming. Mothers grabbed their children's hands and hurried them away. 
The crowd scattered, fleeing from where they thought the balloon might crash down. Scorpion had the opposite reaction. That balloonist is in trouble. There is no fire propelling the balloon and keeping it aloft. We must get to where it will land. He jumped to his feet, hastened to the spot where he anticipated the balloon would touch down, and the others quickly followed him. Seconds later, the gondola smashed to the ground a mere 20 feet from where Scorpion had positioned himself. Like a tarpaulin, the red balloon fluttered down and draped over the unfortunate man, the basket, and the surrounding area. Scorpion took charge. We must remove the balloon and attend to the person. Assist me in taking away the cloth. Billy, Thelma, Calvin, and Scorpion each took hold of the fabric and together gathered and moved it to a grassy area behind the gondola. Billy asked Scorpion, didn't the fellow look dead to you? He just rolled over after it crashed. I'll wager the impact's what killed him. Though I agree with your assessment of it being a dead body rather than a live person, I have no opinion as to what killed him. That we shall determine, Scorpion responded. Once they had finished gathering the silk balloon material and placing it behind the remains of the basket, they followed Scorpion as he moved closer to the fallen balloonist. Calvin, will you take hold of his legs? And Billy, please assist with the fellow's arms. Let's turn him over so we may see his face. Calvin and Billy grasped the man's limbs, gently raised the body a few inches, and laid him on his back. Thelma uttered a gasp of surprise. Oh, my. She, Scorpion, Calvin, and Billy stared in shock. A broken arrow protruded from the dead man's chest. That's ghastly, Billy exclaimed. But how could he have been shot with an arrow when he was in the balloon, high above everything and with no other person in the gondola with him? Scorpion clapped him on the back. An appropriate question, Billy. And I believe we have found our newest mystery that needs solving. That, of course, is our guest today, author Rick Flyweiss, reading from his new book, Murder in Haxford. We'll talk about Rick's new book, his take on music production and promotion, and much, much more. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Art of Living, author interview series on radio and podcast, Rick Blyweiss. Rick Blyweiss, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us today. You know, we we kind of need to stick together, those of us who are in the, you know, I'm 65, you're, six, you're, you're 77, I believe. Is that right? No, actually, now I'm 78 and I'll be 79 in July. Well, congratulations <laughs> and happy birthday early. I know Thank you. <laughs> you, you just have this amazing career. And uh, so coming up on 79, you're just you're just doing some amazing things. Yes. You've had a, a journey, and I, I like to call it. So many of my audience are doing journeys these days, second acts, third acts. You've done all of that. You, you were a published executive first. You then became a published novelist. You <laughs> retired and unretired. You have a publishing company yep. that you're working for, Blackstone. Gosh, tell us about your journey. What led you to unretire and start writing? Well, um, I was actually in the music industry for, uh, gosh, 50 years, I guess, uh, both as a musician, as a uh, record producer. I did get, <clears throat> excuse me, I did get a uh, Grammy nomination for one of the records I produced, and another was 
used as a music bed for the NFL broadcasts, and another was a music bed for Coca-Cola commercials. Um, and then I was a uh, executive, senior executive in the music industry, working with a lot of hit acts and uh, huge soundtracks and things like that. And I retired in uh, 2002. I was living in New York City. And uh, my wife and I, she was an executive in the music industry as well. We both retired and we decided we would have a change of lifestyle. So we moved to this uh, little town of Ashland here in southern Oregon, rural southern Oregon, I might add, quite a difference from the hustle and bustle of Manhattan. And um, when we got here, I, uh, I was retired and I started kind of getting bored. So I joined nonprofits. I was on the board of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival for uh, eight years, and I was head of their uh, business alliance. I was on the board of one of the early boards of the Ashland Independent Film Festival. I was on the president's board of Southern Oregon University for 10 years, including being the chair for two years and the head of the Fine and uh, Performing Arts Committee. I helped uh, the local food bank uh, raise money to uh, be able to build, buy a permanent building. And I found that that wasn't enough, that I, that I had all this knowledge and stored up in me of a lifetime of uh, work, if you will. And uh, it was kind of going to waste and I got bored. And it turned out that my next door neighbor was a poet. And uh, this was going back to, I guess, about 2004, or around that era. And uh, her name was Peggy. And she learned that over the course of my career in the music industry, I had also written some nonfiction. I, I wrote some newspaper and magazine articles and columns. I contributed some chapters to some nonfiction anthologies. Never fiction. It was always just real life stuff, if you will. And she said, well, I'm in a writer's group, so why don't you uh, come and join us? Maybe it'll get your juices flowing, and I think the people would like you and you'd like them. So I joined the group, and it, it was everything. There were memoirists, there were fiction writers, nonfiction writers, poets, short story writers, novelists. And I started writing short stories. So that, that kind of started getting me into writing, and then I, I wrote a couple of uh, novels, one science fiction and one magical realism that never went anywhere. Maybe one day they will, but they haven't so far. Um, then coincidentally, I, I, in, um, I guess it was in 2006 or seven, um, I have a friend named Christopher, my wife and I have a friend named Christopher who lives up in Portland. And Christopher called us and said, I'm coming down to Ashland to meet with this company called Blackstone. And I said, what's a Blackstone? And he said, well, they're, a, uh, they're one of the leading audiobook companies in America. And I said, oh, why are you coming down here to meet with them? And he said, well, I own the audio rights to Winnie the Pooh. And it turns out that Christopher's great uncle was James M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. And Christopher himself is a director and an actor. And he said, can I, can I, um, stay with you when I meet with them. And we said, of course. So he stayed at our house. And while he was there meeting with Craig Black, who was the founder and owner of Blackstone, he told Craig about me and my wife and uh, suggested that he meet with us because maybe we possess knowledge that other of his people didn't since we came from corporate New York, if you will. 
And so the next week we had lunch with Craig. And at the end of the lunch, Craig said, Christopher's right. I know you've got something to add to my company. I just don't know exactly what it is. Would you be interested in consulting? And so we both started as consultants. We were on the first board of directors and we consulted to marketing and acquiring and other things like that. Then my wife fully retired and I went on staff and I've been head of new business development uh, for 16 years now and loving every second of it. And we're now also a full-fledged publisher of books, ebooks, and not just audio books. And that's kind of the journey of how I got here. And that's a wonderful story. Thank you. And, and congratulations on everything. Congratulations on the new book. You generously have read a passage from it, the new Pinyon Scorpion series, book two, uh, Murder in Haxford. And, um, and, and my best to you in, in all of your doing. Do you, do you plan on slowing down at any point, Rick Blywitz? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know what 10 or 15 years may yeah. bring for, to me. Yeah, but yeah. I have no immediate plans of slowing down at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're somebody certainly that I will say you're never too old to learn and to pivot. And you've done that. How, how was the pivot? Was it as smooth as... Because my research of you and hearing you talk about it, it sounds like you just moved from one right to the next. Was it that simple? Did you have some, you know, stops and starts along the way there? No, actually, I didn't. Um, to begin with, publishing, book publishing and the music industry, record, you know, publishing, if you will, are very similar in many ways. You know, I mean, sure, you're, you're different. You're dealing with different types of entertainment and and literature. I mean, I do consider songs literature. They have lyrics. Um, there's a different type of literature in a way, uh, but they're they're very similar. A lot a lot of the accounts that that buy books also buy and bought music, and so it was really very very easy transition. It may have been a little harder, you know, if if they went to work in an auto mechanic store, uh, but. Uh, that, you know, it, it was kind of a smooth transition. Plus, I've always been a risk taker, even though I've worked for companies uh, a lot of my life. I've also been an entrepreneur. I uh, I bought and ran and then subsequently sold, fortunately at a profit, a, 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 vi a video sales company. Um, I started a tourism company in New York where I put people's names on lights in lights on Broadway on a huge electronic sign. You could say happy birthday or will you marry me? And it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> but, but, you know, my, my philosophy has always been as long as I have the energy and I ha and I'm still taking breaths, I want to chase the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and the chase is really more fun than whether I find the pot of gold or not. And I've found it and I've not found it, but I've always loved the chase. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I'll ever stop that. Yeah, it, I can I can tell that from you, you know, in our in our conversations uh, up to our interview today, as well as my research of you. You just do seem to love this. It must have captivated you immediately. You know, as I say, you're never too old to learn. But you're also somebody that I, I would I would think you believe in this this uh, this phrase do what you love. Would you agree? I totally agree. In fact, my advice to both of my sons when they were growing up with uh, growing up was 
if you work at something that's your passion, it won't feel as much like work. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Are you still writing music? Actually, I am. Mm-hmm. I I have a, a main website, which is my name, Rick Blyweiss, you know, dot com. But I also have a secondary site, Rick Blyweiss, dot com. And I have music mostly on that site. And I have a... Uh, small recording studio in my office with, uh, I use Logic Pro, I have guitars, basses, MIDI keyboards, and I am writing and recording. I've worked with a country singer, I've worked with a local singer here in Ashland, because I can't sing, uh, but I can, I play all the music, I write all the arrangements, I write the songs, and I still enjoy doing that. Whether that'll ever be anything, I don't know, I doubt it, but I sure as heck enjoy it. And um, also one other thing, back in the late 60s, um, a bandmate of mine and I co-wrote a science fiction rock Hmm. musical and uh, got very, very close to being produced as a a Broadway show sometime when we have time. I'll fill you in on it's kind of a fun Hmm. anecdote, but um, I'm back to revising it and my literary agent's going to be going out with it because it's uh, kind of like if Star Wars met Rocky Horror Picture Show, you'd have the Eye of Jupiter. Hi, it's Paul. As I mentioned, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Let's talk quickly about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Listen, we all have our ideas about what it takes to be our best self. You know, do good for others, do good for yourself, exercise, have meaningful relationships, and lots more. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Stress shows up too, and in all kinds of ways. Personally, 2022 was one of the most stressful years in my life. My mom, 92, was supposed to join us here in Virginia, and at the last minute, due to her health, she opted for a more substantial caregiver and establishment. We moved heaven and earth to get her here, which was stressful. Then that didn't happen, and when her health deteriorated, that became even more stressful. I relate to our sponsor, BetterHelp, in so many ways. I've benefited from therapy. I learned to cope better with stress. Stress overwhelms, period. And when you work with a BetterHelp therapist, you'll feel empowered to overcome the stress and not feel so overwhelmed. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. Telehealth is a godsend, and the convenience of BetterHelp Their range of therapists, the flexibility, the affordability, it is the option for me, and it could work for you too. You first start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, but you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered, less stressful life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash NOB today to get 10% off your first month. That's a month of therapy for 10% off. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash N-O-B. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash N-O-B and get on your way to being your best, less stressed self. Thanks, everybody. I will be right back with our guest today, Rick Flyweiss. I mentioned that today's show is sponsored by Word Collect, the great new game from Super Lucky. 
keeping your mind in shape. And this episode and our guest, Rick Blywise, is all about keeping his mind sharp with music and his work as an author. And that is important because you have to keep your mind sharp. I've been leveling up my focus, sharpness, and brain training with Word Collect. Word Collect is my new favorite game. It's a word puzzle app, and it's free. Word Collect has over 2,000 levels, so you never get bored playing. It starts easy, but it gets harder as you get better. Word Collect is a fun an addicting way to keep your mind sharp and grow your vocabulary. The online reviews for Word Collect are off the chart. I love playing, and my wife, Gretchen, is super competitive to everything, so we have a great time competing with each other. Challenge yourself with this fun and addicting brain game. Keep yourself smart. Right now, Word Collect is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. So stop mindlessly scrolling through social media and keep your mind sharp. Just go to the Apple or Google Store and search for Word Collect. And if you're like me and Gretchen and you want to get fit, download Word Collect for free today. Thanks, everybody. We are, of course, with author, entrepreneur, renaissance man. I'm going to call you that too, Rick Blyweiss. You, you, you're just doing it all. But, of course, you've written book two in your series, the Pignon Scorpion book series. Your latest is Murder in Haxford. We will put links so that our audience can find out more information about Rick Blyweiss as well as – Rick's music, uh, his books that he's writing, everything that he has done. And Rick, I have to tell you that I was so impressed with your book and all of the praise that you've received. I I found this one um, critic's remark, and and I want to just read it because I just thought it was just such a a wonderful depiction of kind of what you're doing. And and the, the quote is, if there was a murder at Downton Abbey, Pinyon Scorpion would be right at home investigating the crime, a perfect period piece to cozy up with and match wits with the Natalie attired chief of police. I love that quote. It's from Al Roker. We all know Al Roker from does weather and all kinds of things. He's a TV personality and a best-selling author himself. I would describe Al Roker as somebody who is Natalie attired. And so I, I like that. I like that quote. And I, I, I found other great praise. The book is getting an awful lot of buzz. Uh, you've won awards for your first book in the Pinyon Scorpion series. Did you ever anticipate all of these accolades that, uh, that you've now received after writing um, your debut novel and these books and all of this? Did you, did you ever? For foresee some of that? Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to answer it this way. First of all, I hoped I would get those accolades. That's the uh-huh, starting uh-huh. point. But um, a number of years ago, my wife and I studied with a man named Dr. Joe Dispenza, who teaches meditation and manifesting. And we got into that very heavily. And I manifested most everything that has happened with both these books. What does that mean? Tell us what, describe manifesting. Well, manifesting in terms of the way Dispenza describes it, because not everybody that teaches manifesting necessarily teaches it the same way, although there's a tremendous commonality. But the way I describe manifesting is you, um, you start 
living your life as though the result you want, the intended result you want to happen is going to happen for sure. And you force your future to happen the way you want it to happen rather than randomly to happen to you. Um, it, it would almost be like saying that uh, the future is out there in the uh, the quantum universe, quantum planes, and there are all these different doorways and each lead to a different future. And at every second, you could be doing one thing versus another, which will put you down a, a different doorway to, to a future. So you'll keep going through doorway to doorway to doorway until you come to your ultimate future and, you know, until you finally pass away. What manifesting says is, I'm picking the doorway I want to go through, and those are the doors that I'm going to open because I'm already living it, I'm already believing it, and that's exactly what I did. The book is, um, as I say, getting rave reviews, and uh, you've shared it with me. I very much appreciate that. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about Pinyon Scorpion, and in particular, how did the idea for this series come about? Because it really is deep, and and I I thought... Al Roker's comment about it being a murder at Downton Abbey was a good one, too. And you've, as I say, you've generously read a passage from the book in an English voice. It has that setting. It has that kind of feel to it. So tell us a little bit about where the idea came from. Well, to to begin with, I have been a longtime reader of mysteries. Uh, Probably the first, one of the earliest series and books I read were The Hardy Boys, and, and then I read mm-hmm. every book that Agatha Christie wrote, every book and story that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote. I was into, you know, Chandler and Hammett and Chester Himes and Rick Stout and Ellery Queen. And, you know, so I, I, I loved mysteries. Um, so that that was kind of the underpinnings. Of course, I do love contemporarily Downton Abbey, and I love a lot of what, you know, the the British mystery shows that are on BritBox and BBC America and things like that. So I have a natural uh, proclivity towards the genre and the time period, I guess. I've been to England a number of times in my life. In fact, I even was at a castle there and I won a crossbow shooting contest, even though I never shot a crossbow before. I got got lucky. Wow. Uh, But... um, (laughs) Well, what it really came down to was my style of writing. I'm a pantser. I don't plot things out. I I literally see the story playing out in my mind. And my job is to sit at my computer keyboard and capture for a reader what I'm seeing play out like a movie in my head. Um, it writes itself inside of me. I don't know how else to put it. Um, And so I'm with this writing group that I mentioned earlier, and I, you know, I wrote some short stories in various genres and, you know, they would go, oh, that's nice. That's nice. And one of the nice things about a writing group is you get good critique early on from beta readers, if you will. Well, well, this story is the first, a, a first Scorpion short story, which was actually the opening of the first book. It just came to me. It, it it played out in my head. I didn't have name for a character. I had the setting. I didn't have a name for the town, but I had a setting. I had the era and the plot started unfurling in my brain. And I brought it into the group and I read what I had, which was very sketchy. And they went, this is the one you've got to turn this into a novel. 
this is going to be your book. And hmm. so I did. And I started doing tons and tons of research to get the minutiae right, to get the time period right, and the language and the names and, and the towns and the jobs and everything, the clothing, everything that took place in that era, in that environment. And um, the book wrote itself. Hmm. I don't know how else to put it. Hmm. Well, congratulations on, on that. And congratulations are in order, too. I understand that the book is being considered for adaptations for television. I wonder if you just give us an update on that and when we might see it and how that all came about. You're, you're doing so many great things. You're just inspiring, Ray Playwise. Well, thank you. Um, I wish I could say I had a lot to do with, the, with that other than writing the book, but I didn't. Um, Blackstone has a... Uh, an executive, his name is Brendan Dunin, and he, uh, he's been with a number of very successful film companies and book publishers over his career. And um, what he does with book publishers, among other things, is he's got what I'd call, uh, using an old term, a great Rolodex for the film mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. So he basically works with production companies and studios on turning books into TV shows, series, and films. And Brendan was the one who um, actually was contacted or contacted First Wind Film Development in the UK about it. They are very interested, and they are in the process at this point of um, casting it and having script written. And I don't know much more than that other than I can tell you it's a long road with many a slip twixt the cup and the lip, as they say, <laughs> between getting interest and actually getting it on either the big screen or the little screen. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what, what, what happens in the future. I have my fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. Uh, but I don't know much more than what I just told you right now. <laughs> Well, so many wonderful things are going for you and uh, our best. I, I can just tell you're somebody that I would love to have back and talk more about all of the things that you're doing. Music, I know you've got a connection into the, the dance world, and uh, yep. of course you're writing. You told us earlier that you're just not at all ready to slow down, so... We we talked about the possibility of a television program, but what is next for you? Uh, are you going to write a book three for Scorpion? Is that potentially coming? Well, actually, if you don't mind, I'll tell you about a few projects I'm currently working Please. on. Yeah. Uh, one of them is definitely a Scorpion book three. I'm well into writing that. And um, I can tell you without any kind of a spoiler um, that the main mystery in the book, and each of these books have multiple mysteries in them, um, so the main mystery in that book is about a young female magician who uh, develops an act, an illusion that is unbelievable. And Harry Houdini himself goes to witness it and can't figure out how she does it. But at the same time, everywhere that she performs, mayhem and mystery accompany her performances. And when she comes to Haxford, it's for Scorpion to figure out what the heck is she doing? Um, so I'm, I'm well at work on that. Um, I have written a significant portion of a book on corporate leadership, how to be a good corporate leader and maximize profits and keep employees at, 
so that you're maximizing people and profits at the same time. Uh, my agent will be going out with that shortly. I'm writing my memoir, which I'm probably about three quarters of the way through. And I'm writing um, another book um, that's about a crusty old ex-military senior who uh, goes into a retirement home and the, the um, residents there are being harassed by a group of young teens. And so he teaches them self-defense. And it's kind of a cross between uh, the best Marigold, ho exotic Marigold Hotel and Home Alone. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And then lastly, I have short stories in a collection of anthologies called uh, Mu Murder, Music and Mystery. The first one was Hotel California. Um, and I have stories in the next one, which is Thriller, the follow-up, which is uh, Back in Black, and we'll be doing some others after that as well. And that features a character named Walker, who's a contemporary and an ex-top New York City hitman who has a hit on his life and uh, survives it and goes to Hawaii and gets tracked down by the uh, assassin, and it's the cat and mouse game of who's going to get who. Hmm. All of this... At 79 years young, too. Rick Blyweiss has been our guest today. Rick Blyweiss is an award-winning author. Rick Blyweiss was named Record Company Executive of the Year by the Coalition of Independent Music Stores. Rick Blyweiss has been our guest today. We're going to put links up so that our audience can find out more about Rick's new book. It's part of the Pinyon Scorpion mystery series titled Murder in Haxford. Along with everything else that Rick Blyweiss is doing, we'll have links so that our audience can find that, including some great photos of Rick with uh, many of his uh, award-winning music collection and uh, all the records that he's produced. But we hope you come back, Rick. My gosh, uh, you, I could talk to you for a long time, but thank you so much for your time today. I know you're very busy, and I sure appreciate the amount of time that you've given us. My pleasure being here, and I'll be back any and every time you'd like, seriously. That would be great. That would be great. Rick Blyweiss, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Paul. My thanks to BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash NOB and get on your way to being your best self. And Word Collect, the great new game from Super Lucky for sponsoring today's show. My thanks to Rick Blyweiss for his time, expertise, and willingness to read from his new book, Murder in Haxford. My thanks to the Smithsonian for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe, which I'm mentioning in every show because I want to bring attention to the issue of assault rifles, which aren't safe in anyone's hands but the military and law enforcement. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn, schools. Please, let's work together to eliminate assault rifles and let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.